sweet friend. This is Deeper Life, and I'm your host, Alexis Teichmiller. I'm a writer, content creator, and a woman on a journey to finding more depth in life. If you crave soul-filling conversations and long for a stronger connection to yourself and others, consider this your safe haven. It can be hard to embrace who we are, let alone share that with the rest of the world. The Deeper Life Podcast is a safe place to show up and hear conversations about relationships, emotional growth, and explore what it means to be vulnerable. If you're ready to dig deeper, I'm here to help you embrace who you are, reflect on your past, and connect with yourself. Welcome to A Deeper Life. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Life with me, Alexis Teichmiller. Okay, have you ever met someone and you just instantly click? It's like, wow, we are going to be friends. We are going to be in each other's lives from this point forward. (laughs) That is how I felt about Andrea Crisp. I'm so thankful to have her on today's episode. Andrea is a success and mindset coach and has worked with women all around the world, helping them build their confidence, hone their potential, and use their voice in a powerful way. On top of her business as a coach, Andrea is also a podcast host of the Courage Cast podcast and an author of Designed with Purpose. This episode was so powerful. I I was like on a high for the rest of the day after we recorded this interview together. Such a powerful discussion between two women who are focused on purpose, which is Andrea and I. It's something that I think a lot about. I don't always talk about just because, you know, we're all trying to internally figure out our purpose, right? And when we listen to so many external voices feeding into what our purpose should be or what it could be, it becomes really muddy, right? It's hard for us to really know and have that intuition of what is our purpose. So a few of the areas that Andrea and I talk through on today's episode is how to unlock the power of your purpose at any stage of life. We also talk through what happens when you've let a dream die and how to know when or if the dream needs to be resurrected. I love this conversation with her and it even kind of resonated with me and some of the dreams that I've let go that I now feel reinvigorated towards. We talk through why it's never too late to start over and become who you want to be. We also have a deep discussion around perfectionism, and we talk through the art of letting go who you thought you'd be, you know, in terms of your identity, your faith, your life circumstances. So much of perfectionism is rooted in trying to be perfect and trying to have it all together. What happens when life happens and you have to let go of that image of who you thought you were or who you thought you had to be for everyone else? And what happens when you just embrace who you are and where you are in life and then start from that point forward? And then we talk through the importance of embracing failure, rejection, and loss as a part of your life journey and story. This episode is so powerful, friends. I've said it like six times already in this intro, but I was so encouraged by this conversation I really felt very seen. I felt very understood. And I think that Andrea is going to give you that gift as well today as you listen. I just want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you for spending your valuable time and holding space for this this podcast episode today. I don't take that lightly, and I'm just so grateful that you're a part of the Deeper Life community. If you resonate with this episode, reach out to Andrea at Andrea Crisp. Um, or myself at Alexis Teichmiller in 
um, on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. Tag us if you're listening and leave a review on the Deeper Life podcast. I love getting that feedback. I love hearing from y'all. You know, a lot of times I'm just recording in a room by myself. And so being able to hear the feedback from you is just so encouraging and really keeps me going. All right, friends, I'm so thankful that you're here. Let's dig into today's episode with Andrea Crisp. Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Life with me, Alexis Teichmiller. And today I'm here with my new friend, Andrea Crisp. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so good to chat with you. It's so good to chat with you too. You can't see us friends, but we're just smiling at each other. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you should just know that like, I just feel like this is going to be a really energetic, uh, really powerful episode. Andrea is a business coach and she also hosts a fantastic podcast called The Courage Cast. And I'm just really, really excited to have you on. So I kind of want to jump right in. Is that cool with you? Absolutely. Okay. So because we're both in this space and we encourage women to do the work and we're doing the work, I'd love to hear like the origin story of why you got into this. Like what was the moment (laughs) or the season or the experience that really kind of were the roots of where this foundation is growing. And, and when you look back at it, you're like, yeah, that's why I do this work. Oh, there, it's always the same story. I feel like I, I want to come up with a new story because there's other stories as well. But the one story that I think just kind of encapsulates who I am and why I got into the work that I do, why I love empowerment so much, why I love, um, working with creatives, why I love, uh, just even like all the mindset stuff and, and just really like digging into what people's purposes Mm -hmm. is. I was a high school teacher. That was like my first career. And I really, really like, I really, really wanted to be like uh, a famous musician. That was like my like goal in life. Mm -hmm. I had gone to school for that. I had done everything possible, but I ended up becoming a high school music teacher. Okay. And about two years in, I got my master's in counseling and I kind of did it because that's what you do for, you know, to become an educator in order to make more money. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You get more education. So I did that. And I remember one of my students walking into the classroom and he had a guitar in his hand. And he said, Miss Chris, would you mind if I practiced in the music room? And I said, sure. So I was at the computer and I was working away and he's playing for a good hour. And uh, he was just like starting out at the time. So he wasn't like super good, but he was good enough that I recognized that he had talent and ability. And I remember thinking at the time, right after he left the room, I went over to the piano because of course there's a piano in my room. And I sat down at the piano and I just started to play and the tears like just came. Like they just started because I felt like he was doing the thing I wanted to do. Hmm. And I was doing the thing that I felt like I had to do. Interesting. So I, I was in this space where, you know, he had left the room and I'm playing the piano and I just have this like moment and I had this really kind of like this what I call a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Uh, It was this God moment for me where I felt like I just heard this, like as plain as day, like obviously not 
audibly, but I heard it and it was like, Andrea, if you will empower your students, you will have a bigger platform than if you ever did it on your own. Mm. And I remember sitting there and it like changed everything. It ignited in me something that I knew that every student who walked through the door, whether they were in elementary school when I was teaching elementary or middle school or high school, that it was about helping them become who they were going to become and really finding out not just what they were going to do in life, but really who they were and kind of like the magic and the divinity within them that, uh, and because I was a musician and a music teacher, like a lot of it was about creative stuff. Right. So, you know, um, you know, so I just really was helping them hone their skills. But in the meantime, I was like, it's not just about skill. Like that only get you so far because your skill is just your, your talent level. But what is going to take you to the next level is going to be who you are. What I didn't know then, of course, was all the mindset work and stuff that would have to happen in order to get to that place. But for me at that point, it was just about like, that's your purpose Hmm. in life. And that was kind of where it started for me. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can even just the seeing someone else live out a section of your dream Mm -hmm. and then you have a moment to sit with that and the tears come. That is very real. I mean, I, I can think to specific instances in my own life where, you know, you, you really embody that you embody that feeling of almost loss of, you know, someone has something I don't have, or they're achieving something I never could or never did or whatever the circumstances are. So did you feel like there was a shift of focusing on like how much of our purpose is internally motivated Versus externally motivated. That's a good question. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I was just kind of hearing that journey through your own your own story. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what your outlook is on that. Well, I think for the most part, it's internally motivated. Yeah. Uh, I think that when we do allow it to be externally motivated, then it becomes really about performance or about what people think we should be doing just actually talked to a client today for this and that was really coming through for her (laughs) and you know versus really having this knowing okay even if it's hard and even if it's uncomfortable and even if it feels like it's going to take everything within you to get to that place like that journey Mm -hmm. and I think that you know, when I first started doing this work, I I was under the illusion that purpose was something that you just like magically happened upon. And then there was, and there you are. And you're like, here I am, I'm in my purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, obviously realized over the years that it, it is very much a journey and it's something that you're constantly uncovering different layers of who you are, of what you've been through, of the story you tell, the, the lessons you've learned along the way. And I think that has to be internally motivated. Um, It can be helped along by other people Mm -hmm. and it can be, you know, like I think of it like as a bumper for um, the bowling alley, (laughs) you know, like you, you could have a rogue bowling ball and the bumper just kind of, kind of keeps you in the lane. But, and that's kind of like what the people in my life were, were those bumpers. But if I wasn't putting the momentum behind 
the ball going down the alley. Right. And I wasn't actually putting the effort into where is the destination? How am I going to get there? All the other stuff wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered. I don't right. think. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, I love the visual of the bumpers. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a terrible bowler, so I need them. <laughs> yes. I, I very much, I, I, what I'll do is I'll start out the game with them on yeah. just to get my, cause I, I bowl like what once every other year, like I'm not a, actively bowling, mm-hmm. but then I'll take them off and I will recognize that I've gotten better at getting the ball down the lane. than when I had them on, sometimes we um, don't trust ourselves. Yeah. And we don't trust ourselves to make, you know, in this scenario, we don't trust ourselves to get the ball down the end of the lane. So we do need those, those bumpers. Um, How do we build that trust in that intrinsic knowing that you talked about that Mm. helps us identify that purpose? You know, I think that's trial and error. Yeah. I think that's a lot of learning. Um, as you were talking about the bowling, because I'm just going to go with the bowling. Because sure, it feels, let's go. It feels right. Um, I don't know why it feels right, but it feels like it's the thing to do. But I'm Canadian, so we have five-pin bowling. And in America, I think you guys have ten. Yes. So you have a bigger ball. Okay. Right? So when I first grew, when I was growing up bowling in Canada, because I'm from Canada, we have this smaller ball, and it's five-pin. So you can hold it in your hand, right? Uh-huh. And you learn to just hold the ball in your hand and you learn to bowl that way. So, of course, the weight of the ball is different. Okay. Um, your The span of the uh, little pins is obviously going to be different because there's only five versus ten. When you learn to bowl with five-pin bowling, you learn a certain way. You develop certain skill sets mm. and you master them accordingly to what you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're in a different game and you're in 10 pin bowling and it's a bigger ball. Yeah. And you've got to put your fingers in the hole and you're trying to navigate, like, how do I get my fingers in the, the ball? Like, how do I hold the ball? I'm used to holding it in my hand. Like it fits in the palm of my hand. And now I have to hold it with this grip and I have to, to learn how to release the ball and not hold on to the ball. And it's so big and it's so heavy. And I think that is exactly like the intrinsic knowing, right? It's like, how do I hold this thing in my hand? And how do I release it in a way that it's not just going to clunk down on the floor, but it, that it actually goes where it needs to go all the way down to the, the lane to, towards the, the pins. And I think that is what we have to do is like, we want to just sometimes take it in between our legs, like the big ball and just like reef it down the the lane and go, I hope it makes it. Yes. <laughs> and, and I think our intrinsic knowing is that like real delicate strength, mm-hmm. momentum, and it's, it's being able to hold this precious thing without hurting ourselves, without hurting someone else. And also knowing when is the release because it has to go. Mm-hmm. it has to be released out so I think does that answer your question I know that it was does. so random but no Andrea that was golden that was really beautiful like <laughs> the shift the shift even of like what we're taught and yeah. what we evolve into what we grow into mm-hmm. and you know you're in a different game the weight is different the rules are different and I think that's what so many women especially in their 20s experience is that shift of, okay, you know, 
my life is changing. And, and, and we're, honestly, it doesn't even matter if you're in your 20s. When you go through transitions in life, you're going from one thing to another. And yeah. you might not really know how to manage or hold space for that new thing. How do we still empower ourselves to make those choices um, when we're in seasons of change and in seasons of transition or maybe in things we don't know the answers, right? We're in this Mm -hmm. season of trying to get clarity. Yeah. How do we empower ourselves to remind that we play a role in whatever action we end up taking? Because there's a lot of that, because you mentioned like the should and what people Mm -hmm. think I should do and in the path that other people want me to take or even society might want me to take. How do we empower ourselves to take ownership for those choices? Mm Because they are, at the end of the day, they are ours. They are, for sure. And I think that whether you're 20, 30, or 40, or 50, you know, know, I think the, the rules apply. Mm-hmm. In, in every decade. And I think that, you know, as you go through different seasons in life, you recognize where your story has taken you. Right. And I think there are lessons to be learned in the experiences, in the failures, in the rejection, in the, the times that were really low, in the times that we had to navigate where we felt like everything was like piling on top of us. And that is the place of empowerment. That is a place of learning. I can still do this in spite of what I've gone through, mm-hmm. of what's happened. And even if I have this ideological thing that I want to see in my life happen, it's never going to happen quite the way we intend it to happen. So I think the empowerment comes in saying, I can keep getting up yeah, and I can keep learning from my story. And, and it's okay that my story doesn't look like what I thought. Yes. Because in your twenties, you know, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I was in my twenties still. Um, (laughs) I do. And I don't, um, but but like in my twenties, I remember thinking like life had to be this way and I wanted so much for certain things to happen. And man, when they didn't Alexis, like when I lived through my thirties and then got into my forties and realized like, wow, this still hasn't happened. Mm. Like I'm still in the process. And then I got really down on myself and was like, well, there's something wrong with me Mm. because it seems like all the millennials, like they figured it out. And, you know, the, my friends in their thirties that have, you know, young kids, they've figured it out. But what I, I wasn't getting was that this is a process that we're all going through and we're all going to ebb and flow at different places in, in our lives mm-hmm. in different circumstances. And it really depends on our own, um, I wouldn't say ability, but our own belief that we can navigate it and that we can, we can get up and do it again. Like, like going back to even the client that I was working with today, like, if she said one time, she said it 50 times, she gave me every excuse of why things couldn't be. Hmm. And, and I was like, I I just sat there and I thought, oh man, like, you're not going to get it. Hmm. And there's no amount of me telling you, you're going to get it. You have to believe that you can do it. Right. That you can get through this, that you can get through this, this space in your life that you can, 
take that next step, that you can be brave, that you can do these things. Like no one's going to do that for you. Right. Only you can do it. Yeah. And even I was listening to this motivational TikTok because that's <laughs> where that I it is? spend my time. <laughs> um, it's actually an audio of Mel Robbins, who I'm a fan of. I've kind of been I following. Yeah, I really enjoy her a lot. Um, I've kind of been following her for probably the last four or five years. I saw her speak at a conference about five years ago. And it really was quite life-changing. And I still use her 54321 when I don't want to do something. Um, But she did. She said, no one's going to make you get up in the morning. No one's going to make you um, get off your phone. No one's going to make you. And she like listed off these things that we sometimes want someone to burst into the door and be like, hey, stop. And that's what's supposed to wake us up. Mm -hmm. But no one's coming. No one's coming to say, hey, get off TikTok, right? Hey, don't spend an hour on there. Why don't you read a book? Or why don't you journal? Or why don't you, you know, work on that dream or that side hustle that you've been wanting to do? Like no one is coming to motivate us and make us do something unless we are an active participant in that, that process, right? How do we believe? Where does the belief originate? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass that back to you. How does the <laughs> belief originate for you? Like, where do you, mm. where do you find that space? Like, where for you is that moment where you're like, okay, it's now, mm-hmm. or I let it go by me? Yeah, I think that for me it comes with I know myself really well, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning about myself. But I would say. I know myself very well and I know my cycles. I know my patterns and the belief comes from me honestly saying like, girlfriend, we've been here before. Aren't you tired? Mm-hmm. Aren't you tired? Let's make different choices. You can. That's no joke. I would say the majority of the big changes in my life have come from that. Some kind of internal conversation where I'm like, aren't you exhausted? You know, do you feel that tug, that tension? Aren't you tired? Let's make, let's make a change. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's believe that we can make a different choice because we keep finding ourselves here. I would yeah. say that's where it originates for me. Yeah, that you're right on. You're right on the money with it because it's in that resistance, right? It's yes. in the place that you don't want to do it. That feels the hardest that yeah. you're going to say it's either now or I'm going to let it go by. I'm going to actually watch it physically go by me. Yes. And sometimes, sadly, we do. Mm-hmm. I have. I've done it a lot. I've watched other people do it. I've also watched people like jump on it and like whiz out. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, so yeah, they got that. And, yeah. and I think that in, in those moments of resistance in the, in the hard, you know, those mindset shifts, mm-hmm. I think are the biggest thing, right? Like where we have to change the narrative. Mm-hmm. You hear that all the time. Yeah. Let's talk about narrative yeah. because yeah. I had, I had a client this morning, um, we we're working through perfectionism Mm-hmm. And we talked about where, you know, I, I really do believe that the the fear of in, of trying to be perfect or, or appearing not perfect derives from some sort of foundational fear level. You know, yeah. like something's something's being taken from you, something's something's happening here to where 
you need to perform or act in a way in which you're perfect. Mm-hmm. And so we really worked on the narrative that we were saying, you know, what, when you are trying to be perfect, what are you telling yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, I have to be perfect because this, what is that? And then how can we use the same language and f- flip it and reframe it so that we are able to change the narrative and honestly just change the entire outlook that we have on something. So my friend, <laughs> talk to me about just the power of narrative and reframing the way that we talk to ourselves. Uh, this is something that I love. I love talking about this. Um, I think that for so long, I thought that, you know, reframing it was about an affirmation. Hmm. And if I thought differently, if I could just find the the opposite of what I wanted and I could write it down that, okay, I was going to, you know, convince myself of <laughs> what could be, right? Uh-huh. And what I didn't understand at the time was that really when you're shifting a mindset, you're actually shifting the story and you're changing what in neuroscience, you're changing how your brain is wired to actually see that story. So whenever that happened in your life, like even talking about perfectionism, like I call myself a perfectionist in recovery. You could totally coach me on perfectionism, just so you know, because yeah. I'm sure I still have lots of work to do. <laughs> we all, we but, all do. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm like, I could write a book on trying to be perfect. Um, but you know, like, let's just go there. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would say to me, she would say, Oh, you're so perfect. And I think a lot of that originated because she felt inadequate mm-hmm. in her own life and she had things that had happened. And I, was this kid that came along firstborn who just naturally wanted to do things right. Mm-hmm. I'm a one on the Enneagram. Okay. So, uh, you know, my, my core fear is that I'm not good. Um, and so for me, it was all about being good, being right, doing the right things. So, you know, when she is affirming that by saying, you know, you're just so perfect, Andrea, you're doing, you know, I got a lot of praise out of that. I got a lot of my validation from that. That became the story that I told myself in order to do things, you had to receive the praise and you had to do it perfectly. And if I couldn't do it perfectly, I wasn't going to do it at all. Right. And that really stunted me in many, many areas of my life because I found that in, even in relationships, I couldn't do them perfectly and I would get rejected. And all of a sudden I wasn't perfect. I wasn't valuable. Okay. I wasn't worthy of being in the relationship. Uh, and then that would keep me, you know, I will shrink back. I will not show who I am because if I don't show who I am, then you don't know that I'm not perfect. Yeah. So that it probably will... got in the way of you being vulnerable too. Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Right. So changing that narrative for me was like not only going back into the self-worth and self-image and the rejection, but it was going all the way back into, you know, what is that core, you know, identity that I believe to be true about myself, which was that I needed to be perfect to be validated. I needed to be perfect to be loved. I needed to do the right thing in order for people to approve of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that just became the way I lived life Interesting. out of that. And that was my story. Right. That was the whole, I did, I taught that way. I did my other jobs that way, I did relationships that way and breaking that narrative and really shifting that narrative was really tough for me because 
I had to realize that it's being vulnerable. It is in that vulnerable space. Like you said, it's like saying, okay, you know, yeah, you're right. I'm not perfect. And I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and here they are Mm -hmm. and go at, you know, like, feel free to judge them if you want. I hope you don't, but you know, like feel free because that is the, probably the hardest thing for me to have to deal with is what is your judgment of me? Cause I'm not good anymore. Mm. And it's hitting the, the little girl in me that says, yeah, but if I do this, I'm going to be approved of, you know, and I mean, there's layers, right? Many, many, many layers. Right. But Thank yeah. you for sharing that. That is such a a visual experience, I think that so many people can really relate to in a lot of ways. And even that parent-child relationship and the mm-hmm. way that the way that our parents raised us or the phrases they used, the, the language they used, you know, it instills these, these seeds, you know, and then we look for things that affirm that foundational belief, yeah. right? Because if we go out there and we try to find something that affirms our belief, we will. Oh, 100%. And so then it, it goes down to, okay, well, what is that foundational belief? And, you know, are we looking for things that support it so that we can keep, you know, upholding this unrealistic expectation and standard that we're never going to be able to achieve, but then it puts us in this cycle of achievement and performance. And so what would you say your relationship has been with um, being a performer in a way? It, it's It's hard in some senses and easy in some senses for me. Okay. Um, naturally I love to use my giftings, Mm -hmm. but I don't like to perform. Okay. So I, it was, that's a weird thing. I mean, I've never really actually thought about it until you said it. So what a great question. Um, as a musician, as a singer, you know, I love to sing, but when people wanted me to do it or gave me all sorts of like validation around it, it actually felt really uncomfortable. Okay. But I loved it. I loved doing it and I wanted to do it. But because there was such a, a weird relationship I had with it, Mm -hmm. then I didn't really allow myself to become a singer professionally in a way that would make me lots of money, get a record deal and all that. Because I actually couldn't handle putting myself out there to that degree. Mm. And it's funny that you say that because now, 20 years later, (laughs) plus, 20 plus, I'm really dating myself here. But um, I am realizing the very thing I avoided when I was, you know, coming out of college, an aspiring singer-songwriter is the very lesson I have to learn as a coach. Mm. In putting my, because it's all about still putting yourself out there, being visible, sharing your story. And I'm like, wow, I didn't do that in my twenties when it was like my natural gifting, which was music. Right. Because I was so afraid that people wouldn't approve of it or want it. And now I'm having to, to do it again later on. Right. Same lesson. Yep totally different thing. Uh-huh. Is it interesting how sometimes life will, you know, resurface a lesson in a way to give you an opportunity to relearn it or continue to shift that narrative? I actually in my conversation with my client today about perfectionism, they asked, "Can you share some of your own experiences?" You know, <laughs> 
I'd love to hear one. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, this was in the context of podcasting, actually, mm-hmm. and um, editing and, and going back and feeling the need to re-record. And I didn't say that right. I didn't elaborate enough. And, and, and just honestly, you're a podcaster. You have yeah. like 150 some episodes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you've been podcasting for a long time. This practice of podcasting, you also have to release it into the world in a way that recognizing there are going to be aspects of this show that are imperfect. Yeah. Right. And for the first year, say that, see, no, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. I'm totally joking. (laughs) But you know what? That's exactly the thing, right? Like as, as soon as you touch on the fear, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden your performance starts to want to shift into gear and go, Oh, maybe I should perform. Mm -hmm. So I do better. And then all of a sudden we fall back into the pattern. Right. And it's triggering. And the practice Mm -hmm. that I'm working through right now is really connecting with my humanity Mm, and my, and my humanity is imperfect. Right. And so that's also what gives me the chance to connect with other people is showing my humanity and relating to them and sharing my own story and building that trust and letting them not see me as perfect. Yeah. Not letting them have an opportunity to put me on a pedestal of any kind. Cause I will tell you after working for seven years in the online entrepreneur, you know, people are famous in this little industry. When yeah. you put people on pedestals, they disappoint you because they, because they are human though. Yeah. And you know, and, and then you play a role in putting someone up on that pedestal mm-hmm. without seeing their own humanity. And so that's the practice I'm in right now is really just, I'm imperfect. I don't say all the right things. And sometimes I elaborate, sometimes I go on tangents. It, it's, it's fine. Like this mm-hmm. is just a part of me. So you said something really interesting. I want to like jump back to. Okay. Yeah. For the you said like performing and getting the praise and then realizing it was something that you couldn't handle. You said, I didn't, I didn't have what it took to manage it. I'm trying to think of the exact language you used. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about capacity to hold our dreams. Hmm. Oh my gosh. What? You're just like, (laughs) wow. Okay. Okay. So, I really want to talk about this because we have mm-hmm. these big ass dreams. Yeah. Okay? Like big, like you want to be mm-hmm. a star. I want to be a New York times bestselling author. Like, you know, we have these things that we want to do and in our own ways we go after them. Right. Yeah. Do we have capacity to manage if the dream comes true? That's a good question. We only do if we're doing the work, the internal work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, it's like if you have a box that's a certain size and your dream is in there and it's going to grow to the size of the box, well, it's going to outgrow the box. Mm -hmm. So your container, as you say, like, you know, do you have the capacity to, you know, hold the dream? Well, if you continue to do the same things over and over again, do it the same way, well, then the container stays the same and you don't have the capacity. It doesn't actually shift and grow. Right. So then of course the dream, it will start spilling over that, that where we, our limit is yeah, our upper limit. Cause we've already decided where the limit is. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is where the box is and it's just going to go slightly over it. And then it stops because it can't grow any more than that 
So we actually have to change the container. Right. Which means we're constantly having to shift and change and grow, which feels super uncomfortable because, you know, we think, oh, well, I got this thing, which was one of my dreams. I did it. Mm-hmm. I grew. I got there. Yay. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but in order to rec- like realize that you could be a New York Times bestselling author, there's a lot more growth that's going to get you to that place. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and even, and handling the success. Sure. Sure. Which is so interesting because one of my fears is I have a fear of success. So yeah. then that puts me down a spiral of self-sabotage and all of that. And we can, we can yeah. t- t- table <laughs> that for another, another podcast interview, but, but uh, it has been really interesting for mm-hmm. me to tap into that because I am doing the internal work so that, you know, I don't put limits on myself. You said mm-hmm. like, you know, we achieve the thing and, but we put a limit on our growth. How do we shift into this limitless mindset of, and it kind of going back to the bowling ball where you said like, you know, I'm holding this with an open palm and then I have to release it. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing can come when it comes to our dreams and our purpose. And, and we try to do it on this very specific path where we check a box and the check box and then check the next box. Mm-hmm. How do we honestly give ourselves the permission to not have limits? You know, it's interesting you say that. I want to go back to humanity, what sure. you're talking about humanity, because I think that is where our own humanity reaches a certain point. And that is where the supernatural and the spiritual meet humanity Mm. and that, you know, combo of it's not just me doing this. Right. Because if it was just me doing this, I'd always get to the upper limit and that would always be capped off. And maybe I'd move the needle like up more and more and more and more. But it's only when we are really in, I think that, that space with the divine, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for, for someone, maybe that's God, maybe that's higher power. Maybe that's just an energetic force or consciousness or whatever, but whatever that looks like for people, I think it's when we are surrendered to that. Like I go back to even when I was teaching, like I didn't come up with you know, if you empower the students, you'll have a bigger platform than if you, like, I didn't come up with that. That wasn't something that I just naturally thought because I wanted something completely different. Right. That was the divine in me saying, yeah, but if you take off the upper limit, Andrea, you will have, your platform would be extend globally because it's not just about what you're saying or you're doing. It's, it's also about how you're empowering others to say and do and be. And then I have a role to play in every conversation that I have on the podcast, in every coaching conversation I have with a person or someone who I've mentored when I was, you know, 17 years old, mm-hmm. you know, all of those people become pushing my upper limit yeah. because they're the divine uh, really like outworking of what that revelation was for me. So I think for each of us, it's that revelation of saying, okay, well, what, what is that next thing that God is doing? Supernatural consciousness wants me to step into that is beyond my humanity. Mm, that's good. Because it would require me to have to adjust and shift to get to that place and believe for that. Mm-hmm. Because in myself, I am only to this level. 
And, and that is like way, way beyond what I know. Right. Or have capacity for, but doesn't mean I can't do it. Right. It just means that there's other work at play. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's like that collaborative place of saying, like, I remember for a long time, like I really kind of wanted to avoid that. I was just like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, talk, tired of talking about God. I'm tired of talking about all this stuff. (laughs) And, and I can, I can, you know, say that because I, I'm also a former pastor. So I went through a a deconstruction phase. What's other podcast (laughs) entirely, but, um, I had to start sitting in, uh, in this space in the morning with my journal and I had to be really still and quiet. And my therapist, actually, she was the one who, who said to do this, but cause I said, I don't feel God anymore. Like I don't feel it because I was a real feeling person. And when I was young and I was doing music, I really like had these like feelings, like everything was emotional to me. And I was like, I don't actually feel divinity anymore like I don't and I it was so tangible to me before Mm -hmm. and she said well it probably because you're shifting the way you're viewing religion and you know that that space in your life she said what if you looked at it from a different way and you just allowed for that space to happen see what happens and it was so beautiful because the same thing that happened when I was really young started happening again I just would hear these whispers like these God whispers and I would write them down Mm -hmm. and it wasn't anything I did that was like, you know, I mean, I think you could do it the same with holding space through meditation right? or going for a walk in the woods and just being really quiet and listening to what is your soul saying? Like, what is the spirit saying? And I think those are the moments where, it's like, okay, I can push the upper limit. I can change the narrative here because it's not about just about me. Yes. That's so powerful. So much to unpack there. Sorry. I went on a huge rabbit trail. Please never apologize ever. (laughs) I am a rabbit trail queen. We can go down there anytime you want, but, um, thank you for sharing that. And also, I legit think that we should have another episode just on like deconstruction of faith and religion and the, the American church. Oh yeah. General. There's a lot to unpack there that honestly I'm kind of on my own journey of. So I would deeply enjoy that. So I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge that because I I want to go there. Um, But I also want to dig into some other things too. Mm -hmm. So let's just like revisit that in another episode. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the soul level work and the feelings. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about when we're not feeling it anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not feeling the side hustle we started. We're not feeling the writing the you know, 5,000 words a day because we're trying to write a book. We're not feeling the work it takes to go after the dream. Because we are a feelings-based society, I think. I didn't feel like it, you know, yeah. a lot a lot of that. And hey, I hold so much space and high regard for emotions. So mm-hmm. I just want to say that. But there has to be some other foundational layer when we're not feeling it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we still drive towards that purpose and towards that dream that we're going after? 
you know, I like there's a million things going through my mind of like how I've had to just create the space yeah. in my own life for those moments. Um, you know, I wrote my first book in 2012 and I had no idea what I was doing. I I had to literally like put a timer on and write. Hmm. That was me creating spaces. I didn't feel anything. Like there was no feeling involved there whatsoever. When I first started my podcast, I wanted to do it. I was scared to death, but I had to just create the space to, you know, reach out to people to be on the podcast at the time and, you know, how all that works. And, and then, you know, you know, going into just different things in my life, like there's a lot of times, especially during this past year where COVID has been so hard hitting on the way we live Mm -hmm. and, you know, saying, you know, what used to be easy now looks very different and I have to navigate it from a whole different place. I have to carve out that space for me to just actually do the work. Yeah. And one of the guys I I just actually had on the podcast, his name is Jonathan Milligan. I have to give him credit for this because, um, he said to me something that really, really made a huge shift in me the other day. He said, you know, Andrew, you, when you fall in love with the work, not the dream, yeah, everything changes. And, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Because like, there's sometimes I'm doing the work and I just don't love it. Yeah. And then I put it off because I don't want to do it. And it's like, well, how am I going to achieve a dream if I'm unwilling to do the work because I don't love it? So it's like you have this side hustle, you have this thing you want to put out into the world, you have this idea, this, you know, collaboration, you just really are hoping that's going to happen. There's the part of you that has to create this space and say, I am going to find a way to love this in the now and nurture it in its infancy and nurture it, you know, when it doesn't know what to do because I'm the only one taking care of it. Mm. And as it grows and as it matures, then I am slowly setting it free and finally releasing it because it's grown to a place where it can actually be sustained on its own. Right. Instead of, you know, us having to, you know, do the work. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is so many people look at like, well, so-and-so was really successful and they just, you know, magically happened upon it. That never happens. They don't magically happen upon anything. Right. You know, whether you're a, um, an online influencer, a podcaster, a musician, someone who writes books for a living or speaks for a living, you do a majority of your work in obscurity. Yeah. before you will ever, ever see that dream come to life. And if you're not willing to be with it in its infancy stage, like just like a mom would be with a baby, you know, Mm -hmm. then it's, it just won't grow past that. Yeah. That's really powerful. I, yeah, that's also very convicting in a way too, of like, how am I actually nurturing and making space for some of these dreams? Mm -hmm. Even, you know, starting my own business, quitting a very loving, incredible work environment, stable job, quitting something unstable to start something unstable, like your own coaching business in the middle of a pandemic, you know, <laughs> um, there, there was this shift, this, this realization that I wasn't nurturing my dreams. They were just sitting there and 
it's actually interesting there. Have you ever heard of the company? We're not really strangers. No, but that's very, what a, that, what a name. Yeah, it's fantastic. So they have an Instagram account and they also started releasing products. And one of their products is a conversation card deck. And there's three layers. Level one is perception. Level Mm -hmm. two is connection. And level three is reflection. And you play with people. And some of the cards, like level one's really light. Uh, Level two is you're you're getting a little bit deeper. And level three is like... (laughs) So I was playing with one of my good friends and this is all going to come full circle. Mm -hmm. I was playing with one of my good friends and she pulled a card and she said, what dream have you let die? That was the question. Yeah. What dream have you let die? And sobering, very sobering. And, (laughs) and it's almost this like, you know, Mm -hmm. there are times where you just let it go and you let it go and you let it Mm -hmm. go and you avoid it for so long that you're not even consciously choosing to let it die. But so much time has passed. So much energy has been shifted into other things that you don't pay any attention to that thing that you once held with so much power and so much importance in your life. And then it's just gone, you know? And I looked at her and I said, you know, I'm living in the dream I let die and I've revitalized it. That's awesome. I like took it back. I gave it a rebirth and I decided... I don't want this to die, but a part of that comes from resurrecting it, you know, the energy that you have to put back into it. So for anyone listening, that's let something go. Ask yourself, why did I let it go? Do I want to let it go? And what would it take to bring it back to life? It doesn't have to be gone. It doesn't have to die. Right. No. That's that. What a beautiful analogy. I mean, and we're talking today on Easter Monday. Yes. (laughs) So how apropos, because Mm -hmm. one of the things I've been thinking about this weekend, you know, even through my own deconstruction, (laughs) I won't go into it too much, but is really, you know, life. And it's like having this rebirth and, and, and this power in, in resurrecting things Mm -hmm. in power in resurrected life and in resurrected dreams. You know, I've, felt very similar to you in a lot of ways where like there were a lot of things that even as a singer, you know, I, I put that to bed a long time ago, but even in the past little while I've had to decide whether or not it was going to be resurrected or not, because I get a choice. I don't have to do it. It's not like forced upon me to do it. Right. But you know, you know, even just singing, like I would always sing in public, but I didn't want people it to be recorded and put out there. Like, so I wasn't like somebody sitting there and singing for everybody to like on social media, mm-hmm. like not my, like I wasn't going to do that. Okay. But I started to realize that the gift of singing was something that, you know, was a part of me. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a way to express my creativity. It was a way to process emotion it was a way for me to be who I am. And maybe the dream of being like a famous singer songwriter is not the dream anymore, but what was the dream was actually being able to actually sing and love singing and, you know, put it out in there in the world without fear of like what people are going to say or they're going to judge it or not. Cause who cares? You don't like yeah. it. You don't like it. Yeah. You know, we don't have to like every artist exactly. and you know, but that resurrection of saying, you know, that dream was, you know, I put that to bed 20 years ago and felt okay with it at the time. 
And I would say like, even like, as you said to all those people, like anyone listening, like, you know, maybe it's a dream of like your business, maybe it's a dream of getting married or motherhood or, Mm -hmm. you know, so many things where you feel like, oh, that's past me. You can always revisit it and go back and say, you know, maybe it has a different iteration. Now the dream has to become different, a different iteration of the dream but it can still be rebirthed and resurrected. And I think that's such a beautiful picture. Yeah, I agree. It We get to choose how we engage with it, you yeah. know, um, because I had let this dream go by. I, I then thought I wasn't equipped for it or qualified for it, you know? And so there's all these narratives that we then say why we can't have something or, you know, so Revisiting that is so powerful. I can't believe that it's been 47 minutes. <laughs> I literally could talk to you all day. <laughs> this has been so fun. I agree. Thank you so much for just sharing so vulnerably and so openly. And um, I'd love for people to find out where they can connect with you because there's so much gold here, genuinely. And I highly recommend going and just diving into all of Andrea's work. So where can people connect with you? Well, of course, like on Instagram, you know, as, as you do. Oh yeah. Um, I'm not on TikTok. I haven't been able to migrate over there. Um, Cause I just don't think I'm cool enough, quite frankly. That's but, not true. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> I'm like, I'd be so afraid of actually what I'd put out on TikTok if I actually did. I'd, you'd see a whole other side of me, quite frankly. I would love You never that. know though. Maybe that's a new dream. Yeah. Um, it's at Andrea Crisp Coach. And then of course, if you want to catch the Courage Cast, it's at the dot Courage Cast. And then uh, you can also find me on the web at andreacrisp.ca. So I'm a Canadian, not.com, but you know, that's where I'm, where I hang out. I love to, I love conversation. I love, you know, just chatting with people. And, and if you listen to the episode, even today and tag me that you listen to this today, I would love to, you know, chat with you about this conversation. You're amazing. I just want to say that, like, I follow you on, you know, on the gram and, um, I just like watching what you're doing. In fact, I was just watching you're doing your house renovations and uh, all the things. And it's just like, I don't know. I think every so often you kind of come across somebody where it feels like just a real authentic, genuine individual. I feel like that is who you are. So I'm really glad we got to chat. That is so kind. I genuinely, receive that. And that's just so nice of you. I'm so glad that the internet exists so that it can connect (laughs) women like us together. I wholeheartedly agree. Yes. Well, friends, I will have all of Andrea's information in the uh, show notes. And yes, please tag us. Let us know what you learned from this episode, what you took away from it. And Andrea, thank you for holding space with me today. I so appreciate your voice and your heart and the impact that you're having on the world. My pleasure. Thanks, Alexis.